The most powerful tears are not the ones that fall from your eyes and cover your face. They're the ones that fall from your heart and cover your soul. This month, the month of January, marks the 47th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. What has legal abortion done to the soul of our nation? We'll talk about it with abortion survivor Luena Stoltenberg, who has a first-hand account and a word of grace and truth to women. From the nation's capital, this is Use Your Voice with Penny Nance, President and CEO of Concerned Women for America. Here's your host, Penny Nance. Hi, I'm Penny Nance, CEO and President of Concerned Women for America. Welcome to the program. Joining me today is my sister in Christ, who knows all too well the painful tears resulting from abortion. Luana Stoltenberg is from the great state of Iowa. This beautiful woman has experienced abortion multiple times and thought she was doing what's right. And as we come into January, the month of life, the March for Life, I thought it would just be a great time to hear her story and to talk about the issue that so many women in this country, according to Alan Guttmacher Institute, one in four women in this country have experienced abortion. And Christian women have experienced abortion. We need to talk about this today so we can help others. Luana, thank you for coming on the show. And I'd love for our listeners just to know a little bit about your story. Can you just go back in time and tell us what led up to your decision and what was the result of your choice? Well, thanks, Penny, for having me on. This topic is just so close to my heart because just that figure you gave before, one in four women, that's a quarter of the women in our nation are experiencing the pain from abortion. And the reason I made that choice is because I was very young and didn't know any better. I lived in a home of a lot of dysfunction, alcoholism, abuse. And so I was looking for love and thought I found love and got pregnant. And so then I was scared to death to tell my parents. I thought my dad would kill me. I truly did. And so reached out to my boyfriend and he said, you have to get an abortion. And if you don't, he said, I'm leaving you. And so that's exactly what I did. I was so afraid that I let that fear drive me into that decision. And then of course, when I got into the abortion facility, I was told that this was just a blob of tissue, that it was going to be quick, it was going to be safe, that it would even be safer than if I carried a term, quite honestly. So these were medical professionals. These were adults. And so I listened to what they were saying. Quite honestly, I really wanted to believe what they were saying. And so that's what caused me to believe what they were saying and to go ahead with that decision and have that abortion. You know, it's not rare. I mean, we hear the same story over and over, even though we have so much medical science at, at our fingertips. The abortion industry lies. <laughs> you know, it brings these young, scared women who are in a panic and tells them, like, this is the answer. This is what's going to solve this problem for you. It's quick. It's short. I was reading, I don't know if it was you or, or your friend Joyce that said, that it would be painless, and, and she said it wasn't, and that it would be quick, and she said it's been 41 years and it still hurts. And so, uh, you know, it's just such a lie of the abortion industry, and we hear this story over and over. I'm sure that you've heard it from other young women now that you're talking publicly about your experience. No, most definitely I hear it all the time. You know, an industry that's doing it for the multi-billions of dollars they're making, preying on 
women in their most vulnerable time of their life. You know, I can't think of a more vulnerable time for a woman. And especially when she's in crisis, if she's not excited about this and she feels like, what is she going to do? She's trapped. You know, I think it was Teresa Burke that said at one point that um, when a woman is searching for an answer, she feels like she's an animal in the trap and she mm-hmm. would rather chew off her own leg to get out of it. And, and so that's exactly, you know, you're looking for an answer and that's what we're offered. How sad. Yeah, I think that I think that quote is uh, I think from um, Feminists for Life, and I, I'm blanking, blanking on her name, but I often quote that. And she says, you know, a woman doesn't want an abortion. This is paraphrasing, like she yeah. wants a new car or an ice cream cone. She right. wants an abortion, like an animal with its foot caught in a trap is willing to gnaw off its own leg in order to escape. And I think that really does sum it up. I mean, it really takes away our initial you know whatever reaction to it is and you know god help us if it's judgment but to to recognize that these are scared often young sometimes mm-hmm. poor women often you know a lot college students or whatever who just can't see a way forward which to me burdens my heart as part of the pro-life movement and why we've been so involved at concerned women for america in working alongside crisis pregnancy centers and pregnancy care centers and health help centers and working with community um health organizations and trying to reprogram the half billion dollars a year that we give to Planned Parenthood, which is the nation's largest largest abortion provider and is one of the worst offenders of doing what we just talked about, in order to give other opportunities and options to women to say, this isn't your only option. In fact, it's not a good option. And here's some other really great opportunities, whether it's you know helping you through this stage in your life, whether it's helping you walking with you hand in hand as you choose to bless another family. Um, with a child. Pregnancy is short-term, and what appears to be a a short-term fix for them is a burden to their souls, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, can you tell us really how that this decision impacted you in the long term? How does it impact you today? Wow. That decision devastated my life and impacted, quite honestly, impacted my entire life. You know, after I had Um, that abortion, it led me to so much guilt and shame. I was angry. I was depressed. I I went through so many different cycles that, and I literally hated myself for what I had done. And where do you go? I mean, society is telling you it's okay. So I hated myself, became more promiscuous. And as all that did would lead to more drugs and more abortions. But when I did finally get, get my life together and didn't get, got out of all the addictions and the drug and the alcohol that I used to numb the pain with. When I finally did find Jesus Christ, my Lord, and I, and I got married and we wanted to start a family, I was told that I would never have children because of the damage that was caused to my tubes and my uterus because of that suction and that vacuum aspirator that was used for that abortion method. And I, I mean, the devastation of being told that the only children you ever had you killed was a nightmare in my life. And so I, I, would, I would go on never to have children. In fact, I had to have a hysterectomy because it so destroyed my tubes. And it, and the, it just, it continues. It brought death to every part of my life. It, it brought death to my, t- my dreams and my hopes and my destiny, my children's destiny, every part of it. And even today, at the age of 59, you know, I will go out with my friends and they'll show pictures of their grandchildren and they'll dote about their grandchildren is all I have left is empty arms wondering how many grandchildren 
would I have had? So this is, this is an issue where we are not just killing. I didn't just kill my children. I killed my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren. And if you can hear what I'm saying, we are not just destroying one generation. We are destroying a nation and generations. Mm. It's mm. a devastating situation. So, yeah, it devastated my life and affected every part of my life. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sorry, and I didn't mean to step on you, but I just really want to mm. underscore what you just said. And I talk about this in my book. Abortion has generational consequences. And and as you said, it's not just about you at that moment and this particular child. It's about every generation that would have followed this child. And it's about, you know, I I, I know young women here at Concerned Women for America. We employ a lot of young women. We have um, 40 young women for American college chapters and siblings of theirs that were lost. I mean, that they, you know, now they know because it's part of their family story. And I, you know, I think it's, I think it's really brave that their mothers are willing to share with them or, or the stories of the young women who struggle because they know they were almost aborted, right? That story comes out. That happened to one of our leaders in Louisiana. And she talks about how that when she discovered that it, it took a little minute for her to kind of process that she almost didn't survive Roe v. Wade <laughs> and and feel so impacted and believe so strongly in the, the fight for life because it almost took her life. But I, I have a story of my own daughter um, who is now a recent graduate from Liberty University and working. When she was 15, she went on a show called Nick News, and she was put up against, there was a, a large group of young women. It was the anniversary, I think, of, of maybe the ERA or something. And I don't know why I let her do this, but I did. I let her go on. And there was, of course, like, I don't know, maybe 10 kids. And there was three conservatives in the whole group. And um, and one of them was my kid. And Gloria Steinem, I knew that they were going to talk about Gloria Steinem. What I didn't realize is Gloria Steinem was actually going to be in the studio with them. And my oh. my kid debated Gloria Steinem at 15. Wow. And one of the things that happened that wasn't on camera is the kids um, on camera were asked who their heroes were. And my daughter said Lila Rose um, of live action was one of her heroes. And you could almost see the look on Gloria Steinem's face, how much she did not like that answer. And she's the hero, right? And afterwards, she went over to Claire and said, I had an abortion and I'm glad. And Claire tells me this later. I'm like, boy, I wish I'd been standing there. But I wasn't. I was I was in the green room and and I said to Claire, um, did she tell you how many children she actually has? And Claire said, no, she didn't tell me. I said, well, she would have had to tell you none. That this woman who is such an icon and a leader to the feminist movement has no children and no generation, no generation coming behind her because she aborted her children, or at least one. And that was her chance for motherhood. And I just wonder the woman's in her eighties now, does she, I wonder, does she look back? Maybe she doesn't, maybe her heart is hard, but maybe she has moments in, in the still of the night when she's honest with herself and she wonders what would it be like to have children and grandchildren and great grandchildren that are coming up behind her. And I just think it, I think that is so sad, but at the moment for you as a 15 year old, you were so terrified you moved forward in a way that that has damaged you know the rest of your life but I I will say I am so appreciative of your willingness to stand forward and and tell your story and we know other women who have uh, 
talked about that issue. There's there's that great organization, Silent No More, who I often see at, at the March for Life. And is and I've my own kid when she was you know, young and went when she was you know a teen, young teenager said to one of her friends, I saw these old women who were still <laughs> regretful of their abortion, which of course the women may have been forty at the time, but to her they were old, and she just was so impacted by the fact that all this time later. They're still grieving and still mourning, mm-hmm. and that's certainly your story. We're going to have to take a break, and we're going to come back. We're, we're going to talk about this some more, and we're going to talk about grace and what that looks like and, and what we can do to help our sisters who are suffering. So we'll be right back. Hi, CWA listeners. You've heard all this talk about socialism in America today. Do you want to understand what socialism is and how it impacts society or how to respond to socialist promises like free stuff, healthcare, and college? For answers to these and many other questions, visit ConcernWomen.org, click on podcast, and for a donation of any amount, you'll receive a copy of The Truth about socialism. Again, ConcernWomen.org. Click on podcast. Welcome back to Use Your Voice with Concerned Women for America. I am so grateful today in this month of January. The March for Life is coming up on January 24th. It is such a great opportunity to take a moment and recognize all the women in this country, sisters of ours in the church, people that we know, family members, are still suffering from an abortion that maybe they had when they were really young. Maybe it's multiple abortions because we know that happens too. And so joining me today is Luana Stoltenberg, who is an abortion survivor from the great state of Iowa, a Christian sister who has suffered so much um, due to abortion. Was Your story, of course, Luana, is that you didn't have children as a result, and it's had generational consequences for your life and damage for your life. But you found Christ, right? And, and tell me, what happened? What changed? How did that come about? And what has that meant for you and your recovery? It has meant everything for my recovery. Um, it came about my parents came to know the Lord, and my mom started talking to me about Jesus. And at first, I was very apprehensive, because what was in my mind was, I knew what I had done. And so I kept thinking, how could God ever forgive me for this? If there is an unforgivable sin, this one has to be it. I've killed my own children. And of course, my mom didn't know that, but that's what what I was thinking. And then at one point, my mother said to me, you know, Luana, I love you so much. I can't imagine a single thing you could possibly do that would cause me not to love you. Even if you killed somebody, I would still love you. And how much more does God love you? And it was like that arrow that pierced my heart and I thought could this be true what she's saying could it be true and so I had I had nothing else to hang Mm -hmm. on to I had gone through everything drugs alcohol you name it and so I grabbed hold of it and I did receive the Lord as my savior and it was a difficult process to work through that forgiveness and that that healing you know I, I I finally came to a point believing that God could forgive me for that sin and he can you know his word says he'll forgive us and he even throws it as far as the east is from the west and doesn't remember it but it was hard for me to forgive myself because you know that condemnation just wants to keep pounding you but God did eventually prevail and I believed his word and ran into his arms and got into the word got into abortion recovery I did some post-abortion recovery bible studies I did some Rachel vineyards and retreats and really came into 
a healing. It, it was just a wonderful experience, and that has what propelled me, I believe, to begin to speak out about it. Because once we're healed, then we're able to share the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, it, it was his love that brought me into the place of healing. Well, and it's this idea that I think people who haven't known the grace and healing of Christ struggle with, right? This That we think, or maybe the church even's made them feel that you have to clean it all up and then you come to Christ. When it, honestly, it's the opposite. You come in your filth and your dirtiness and you come before the Lord. And, you know, Romans tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all broken, all of us. It's right. why Jesus died. And it's not like, you know, we're ever going to be perfect, but we recognize that Jesus died on the cross specifically for that ugly thing that we don't want anyone else to know, right? Yep. The worst yep. thing we've ever done, the things that we did we didn't mean to do, all of those things. And there is no shame at the foot of the cross. It is the most free yep. place that you can possibly be. And Jesus came that we may be free, you know, in him is freedom. And it's not through sexual licentiousness. It's not through addiction. It's not through abuse of alcohol and drugs. None of that is freeing. In fact, it's the opposite of that. It is the thing that changes your soul and breaks your heart and breaks your body. But Christ came that you can be free and be free indeed. And your story mm -hmm. certainly is one of grace and redemption. One of the things that's changed since when I first, you know, learned about the life issue and the pro-life movement is I think we got better at being honest and talking about, because again, if one in four women have had abortions, we know there's been 56 million children aborted since 1973. Now, some of those are repeat. I've seen the numbers from Guttmacher Institute as high as 45%. Is Because I think your story is not odd. I think especially at a young age, it's like psychologically, you got it wrong. And so you keep trying to fix it, you know, like you keep getting pregnant and then you're going to, you know, this time's going to be different and you try to, but it's worse and worse and worse and worse. And so, um, I, you know, again, I'm not a psychologist, but I just wonder if that could be part of the reason why the numbers are so high for repeat abortion, that people are, are broken and trying to redeem what they've mm -hmm. broken. That's exactly true. And they do say that in abortion recovery, that women are trying to, it was like uh, unconsciously, we are trying to have a replacement child. And a lot of it is, is the culture too. We're told that, that we can do this. This is a great thing. Go ahead and do this. And then, and then the woman does that. And then all of a sudden she's feeling that shame and she's feeling that guilt and she's feeling all of that. But where does she go with that? Everybody's saying, just get over it. It was okay. Just, just get over it. Well, how, she doesn't know how to mourn and go through that. That morning process of grieving and, and then coming back into a place of life and so what what that woman unconsciously will do is then try to replace that loss mm -hmm. that she experienced so then she has a replacement child and then finds herself in the same place again here I am I'm in crisis again and so yeah I mean I had three abortions and that's what it was it was that vicious cycle of not being able to get out of there because I never came to a place of where I asked forgiveness or repentance or even mourned the loss because mm -hmm. no one was telling me I had a loss right right you didn't why are you sad it was yeah. nothing right you were told by the culture and many women are that you have no reason to be sad why are you sad you know it's like I don't know I don't know what they would even compare it to having your gallbladder removed or something and mm -hmm. and people know that it that's not true they know it instinctively and they feel it acutely but yet yep. unless we give them opportunities to go through recovery 
certainly the left isn't going to do it for them. And this is really a great place, an important ministry for the church is for grieving women, for healing. What resources? Is there certain organizations you worked with? Tell me about your recovery process. I went through a pregnancy resource center and went through the, it's called Forgiven and Set Free Bible Study, but there is also another one called Surrendering the Secret. There's several Bible studies that women can go through, also went through Rachel's Vineyard, that added more healing as well. So yeah, recovery is so necessary and important so that women can, first of all, be able to get past the shame Mm -hmm. and the guilt of it. And she can come to the place where she's, yes, I, you know, I have done this. And so now we can line her up with the word of God and bring her to a place to let her know God forgives her and he heals her. Well, and we're going to list some of those ministries, links to some of those places here on our website on concernwomen.org. So if anyone's listening or you have a friend or a family member who's just in need of healing, you have a resource to offer them. And you mentioned going through some of the pregnancy resource centers. Again, this is part of what they do. Not only do they help women who are at that moment in a pregnancy situation that they don't quite know what to do with, mm-hmm. they also work with women who are post-abortive. And, you know, and sometimes it's both of those things. Sometimes it's one, or the replacement child, like you said, and, you know, they're trying to to move through that. And so part of that healing process is acknowledging what a, a former employee of mine whose mother talked to her about, you know, the fact that she was still hurting from abortion from a sibling that this young woman's, you know, would have had if her mother hadn't had abortion, went with her, went together with her mother to a retreat weekend in which they named her sibling. They named the baby together and were able to mourn this child, the loss of this child together. And as painful as that sounds, I think they found it very healing and a way to, to release, you know, and come to terms with the loss that this mom had been holding on to her entire life. Yep, most definitely. You know, and also when a woman chooses abortion and we're told that this is the only option, like when you started the show, what we talked about, it's such a devaluing of not just human life, but a devaluing of that woman. We're Actually, the only thing we're offering her is an abuse. It's to say, here, the only thing we can give you is to kill your child. How sad is that? Mm -hmm. And so, of course, that woman is going to need to go through a process of recovery to to realize that she has value again and that that God loves her and he can forgive her. So it adds value to her life again, brings her into a place of knowing that that the Lord does love her. He hasn't thrown her away, you know, like we threw our babies away. He doesn't do that. He cares for us. He loves us so much that those promises are yes and amen, and he's with us always. Luena, tell us about your book. I know you've written a book about your story, and I'd love to share the information with our listeners. What's the name of it, and how do they get it? Yes, the name of the book is called Singing in the Wilderness, and they can get it through Amazon or they can get it through Zulan. And basically, the book is my story, but I feel like it's almost like a um, kind of like a devotional as well. I write every chapter talking about um, different things that they can overcome. Like chapter one is to deal with rejection. And chapter two is to deal with shame. But at the end of every chapter, um, I go into a prayer, ask questions so that they can truly ask questions of themselves. Mm-hmm. It's thought provoking and it's also interactive. So I want them to learn from the book, not just zip through somebody's story, but to truly be able to take something away and hopefully healing mm-hmm. and, and learn that they do have value and that Jesus Christ did die for them um, to restore them and to bring them into all that he had for them, into the destiny that he had for them. Our nation has been robbed of so much. We've been robbed of 
future generations, 56 million people who have intrinsic value, who are special, who could have contributed to our culture. Uh, We'll never know, but we have survivors. We still have their mothers who are walking amongst us with wounds that we can't see. But if we'll talk about it, if we'll open our ears, they may share. And we have an opportunity to love and minister and to help them come to terms with with their loss. On January 24th of this month is the March for Life here in Washington, D.C. And Concerned Women for America will be there like we are every year. And we'd love for you to come join with us and, you know, again, remind our nation's leaders that 47 years later, This problem has not been solved. This situation is not going away. We still believe in the intrinsic value of every human life. We believe in the sanctity of life, and we can do better for women and for their children in this country. That's all the time we have left. Thank you so much for listening to Concerned Women for America's Use Your Voice. Thanks for listening. Use Your Voice is a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the largest public policy women's organization in the nation. For more information, visit ConcernedWomen.org. That's ConcernedWomen.org.